sounds different. Huh. This, this is Tavis Smiley. Smiley. California has just become the first state in the nation to enact a law to combat the crisis of missing black youth and women. You have no doubt heard of the Amber Alert. Well, now there is an Ebony Alert. California Governor Gavin Newsom has just signed the bill into law. And the author of that historic piece of legislation, California State Senator Stephen Bradford, joins us right now to talk about his Ebony Alert. Senator Bradford, first of all, congratulations on a monumental piece of legislation, sir. Thank you, Mr. Smiley. I appreciate your uh wanting to discuss this and uh, all the work that you do on a daily basis to educate our and inform our community. Tell me about this uh, Ebony Alert, man. It, it's a it's a, a major, major piece of legislation. We uh, have had conversations ad infinitum, ad nauseum over the course of my career about all these black uh, babies, black children, black women who go missing and are never uh, uh, accounted for, much less searched for. Uh, and here you come with this idea to bring online this Ebony Alert. Tell me the backstory. Well, the data spoke, you know, spoke to the need of this piece of legislation, uh, working with organizations like Black and Missing Foundation, as well as the FBI report that stated that almost 37% of individuals that come up missing are people of color. But yet, and still, we very rarely see the type of resources ever dedicated to them uh, to make sure that they're brought home safely. So based on that, working with the NAACP, it just made sense that we move forward with this. Uh, last year, as you well know, we passed a feather alert mm-hmm. to help uh, bring home our indigenous people. So I th- thought now was the time that we address uh, this crisis, again, making up only 12% of the state's population and the nation's population, African-Americans, but we make up, again, almost 38% of children that come up missing in this uh, country are black kids. So uh, that's what led me in this direction. Why do you think this issue, um, the numbers are, are, are pretty telling and they're also pretty damning. Uh, why do you think, Steve, I mean, Senator Bradford, uh, I've known Steve for so long, sometimes I slip and call him yeah, Steve. But <laughs> why, 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 do you, why do you think, I want the national audience to respect you, so let me call you Senator Bradford. Um, why, why do you think uh, those numbers notwithstanding, this issue languished for so long that nobody thought of this idea prior to prior to you? I, I can't answer that, but I think it speaks to who we are as a nation, and many times we dismiss those numbers and the data that reflect the disparities that African Americans experience every day in this country. And I think it's just rooted in who we are as a nation that we always discount African Americans and say, oh, that's not a priority. So I'm about making not just black folks priorities, but people who are being ignored and marginalized mm-hmm. in this state and this nation a priority. And this is, I, I, I just think we've been desensitized to, you know, our, our, our plight here in this country. Yep. So I, I, well, I don't, I don't make any assumptions. Tell me how this Ebony alert mm-hmm. works. We know how the Amber alert works. Does it work in the same sort of way? It's going to follow that same model. Only difference is right now it's from 12 to 25. Mm-hmm. On an Amber Alert, is for 17 and younger. It also specifies that an individual who has some kind of physical or mental challenges, uh, individuals who are suspect of being uh, sex trafficking or abducted, uh, those will trigger when we uh, – put out the Amber Alert, you know, or folks that came up missing under uh, suspicious uh, reasons as well. So now I'm curious, why the difference in age from the Amber Alert to the Ebony Alert? 
because on the Amber Alert, like I say, it's 17 and under. We've found that, again, uh, African-Americans much older come up missing, and there's no resources ever put out for them. So that's why we expanded to 25. We also saw uh, a majority of those individuals who are being sex trafficking in this state, in this country, uh, are between 17 and 25, and they're primarily black women. But again, they're listed most of the time as prostitutes or juvenile prostitutes. So mm-hmm. that's why we expanded the age. What do, what do we know about it's Again, it's a great piece of legislation. I'm so glad to see you doing the work, man. You, you've been there. You've been passing some pretty good bills, and you're termed out, which I'll, I'll get to that in a second. You, you're, you're in your last term, as a matter of <laughs> fact. But you, you've gotten some good stuff through while, you, while you've been there. But let, let, me, let me ask um, what we know about the success of the Amber Alert. I'm trying to get a sense of... Um, what kind of progress we can make now that the Ebony Alert is part of law here. And as I say all the time, uh, what happens in California politics either cast a long shadow or a long sunbeam across the nation. I think this will cast a long sunbeam across the nation. Now that it's on the books in California, other states, I suspect, will likely do the same thing. But what do we know about the success of the Amber Alert? Uh, are, are there any lessons we can draw from how, uh, how, how pivotal this Ebony Alert will be in the coming months and years? I mean, we know the data speaks volumes that, again, it's very rarely triggered for people of color. Mm -hmm. But for those individuals like Gabby Petito, it worked quite well. I mean, unfortunately, she was found dead, murdered by her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But we've seen where it was used for, you know, the majority of the white population. Those individuals were brought home safely. Mm -hmm. And but again, the the data just spoke volumes that it, it was very rarely triggered you know, for us. So it's it's hard to make that comparison. But I, I think what you stated, what we're doing here in California is going to be, you know, the blueprint of what the rest of the country can do. As you stated, and me folks, so goes California, so goes the nation. Mm-hmm. I've already been contacted by my colleagues, part of National Black Caucus of State Legislators who have reached out across the country, you know, asking for more information regarding the Ebony Alert. So I, I do think it's a great opportunity, but the data specifically uh, as, as it relates to Amber Alert just shows that the majority of people, or the majority of time when it's triggered, it's for a missing white child yeah. or person. Let me let me ask you this question, and I'll, I'll ask it first, and I'll tell you after I ask it why, why I ask it. Um, what what kind of pushback, to the extent you, you got some, what kind of pushback did you get uh, pushing this through. It's not easy to get legislation through in this state or any state these days uh, and to get the governor to sign it, no less. So give me a sense of the fight that you had or didn't have getting this Amber Alert through and on, onto the governor's desk. I think, I, I won't say it was easy, but we continue to provide the data, not only the FBI numbers, uh, black and missing data, and it, it, uh, all the information that had, had been compiled as it relates to missing individuals in this country, and it spoke for itself. And surprisingly, we did not have a lot of opposition uh, amongst my legislative colleagues. There was some folks who laid off of it and refused to vote for it, but mm-hmm. for the most part, we got it through both houses with no real challenges, and I think the governor understood the importance of it. Again, uh, the data speaks for itself, and he understood the need for this bill, and that's why he affixed his signature on it uh, Sunday night, and I, I'm greatly appreciative for that. So two questions that follow up in that uh, regard. Number one, I'm just curious, for those who would vote against something like this, like this to save the lives of black youth and to save the lives of black uh, black women, what rationale did you hear from them? Why, like, why would they vote against something like this? Uh, the same rationale that we hear that 
black folks don't deserve reparations. The mm-hmm. same uh, argument we hear why we don't need affirmative action. Affirm- it's, it's it's that mindset that has you know oppressed African Americans and, and said that we were less worthy of anything in this country for over four hundred years. And that's that's the argument. Oh, why we have to have a separate alert? But nobody said why do you have to have separate alert for our indigenous brothers and sisters when we passed a feather alert last year? Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks are probably unaware there's a blue alert. For missing police officers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So if we can prioritize bringing our men and women uh, in law enforcement home, we can prioritize bringing these black ch- children and young adults home who are again uh, dis- disproportionately ignored when they disappear. They fall off the face of the earth. So you're, you're prescient and prophetic on top of being a great legislator because you mentioned exactly where I wanted to go. So when we come forward, since you mentioned the R word, reparations, I want to go there. So for those around the country listening right now who have been following what's happening in California about reparations, um, Stephen Bradford, uh, the senator who's on this program right now, is the major force in the Senate driving this. Uh, there's, a, there's been a huge task force, all kinds of folk on that task force. But inside the California Senate, Stephen Bradford, um, senator uh, from Los Angeles, has been really the, the driving force behind that. Uh, and I asked him how much pushback he got for the Ebony Alert because I wanted to, 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 to compare and contrast that with the kind of pushback he's getting on reparations. As you know, um, the task force made its recommendation some time ago. It is now uh, in the purview of the California legislature to figure out what they want to do, how we're going to define reparations, what's going to be on the governor's desk. You've heard me complain any number of times, not complain, but just make the point that, uh, to my mind, Gavin Newsom has been moonwalking uh, better than Michael Jackson on reparations and a number of other issues that I've had some concerns about with the governor per se, although I celebrate that he signed this Ebony Alert. But Steve Bradford is the main man uh, on this reparations issue, and I want to talk about that since I got him on the line. When we come forward, your list State Senator Stephen Bradford here in California on Tavis Smile. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically blind. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. All right, State Senator Stephen Bradford, um, I asked that question moments ago about what kind of pushback you got uh, on the Ebony Alert because I wanted to uh, compare and contrast that to juxtapose that with the kinds of pushback uh, that you've been getting on the reparations piece. So let me just uh, stand down for a second and uh, ask you um, to give me and the nation uh, an update on how this reparations uh, piece is moving or not moving in the California legislature. As you know, we concluded the two-year task force, uh, the work we completed, completed it on June 29th uh, of this year. And so the report is out. But as far as legislation, there hasn't been any specific bills moving forward yet. Uh, the Black Caucus, uh, which I'm the vice chair, uh, 12-member caucus, we will be huddling up as a caucus over the next two months to help put meat on the bone, so to speak, to structure that which is in that report and move legislation forward next year. I have a bill, uh, SB 490, uh, that has been introduced, but it's not specific language. We'll work on that specific language again over the next two months and be ready to introduce a series of bills uh, come January. And I also want to recognize that um, since the task force completed its work, there's now a working group comprised of uh, attorney Lisa Holder, who was part of the task force, uh, Dr. Cheryl Grills, Don Tamaki, the only non-African-American member of the task force, and Dr. Javon Scott Lewis. They 
have formed a working group that's working uh, to help educate and, and do outreach throughout the state of California and the nation. So we're going to be working in collaboration with them as well. What, uh, in terms of range, in terms of scope, um, you mentioned your bill, SB 490. Um, what, what, what do you expect um, that these bills are going to um, uh, entail? What do you pretend that we're going to be debating when these bills finally um, make it to, um, to committee uh, and we start getting a chance to see what's being recommended in these bills? Well, I, you know, continued education, we're looking at, you know, uh, how do we make sure that African Americans descended of chattel slavery have education, have home buying opportunities, have business loan opportunities, uh, even looking at maybe uh, a, a relief from state taxes for a period of time. Uh, it's a series of things that we're looking at, ongoing health care. I would hope overall that we can make reparations, you know, look like the GI Bill, where, you know, that encompasses education, homeowner opportunities, like I say, health care, you name it, ongoing child care. So it's going to be a series because it was a, a variety of recommendations that were made in that final report. So we're going to have working groups that are going to take on various segments of that, be it the education component, the health care component. We have Dr. Uh, Akila Weber, who's part of the Black Caucus. I'm pretty sure she's going to be looking at some of the health care things, you know, and disparities that exist for African-Americans. So uh, it's going to be a variety of things uh, and, and trying to, you know, boil it down to be very intentional and, and, and as effective as possible. We were discussing weeks ago on this program um, a, a poll that came out uh, in the state of California that finds or found at this point uh, that overwhelmingly, uh, overwhelmingly uh, uh, Californians uh, oppose um Cash. They oppose checks uh, for reparations. I want to take his temperature on that. Uh, he gave a fine list, but you notice he did not say money. He did not say cash. Uh, and that's in part, I suspect, because of this survey that finds that, uh, again, most Californians, uh, while they're sensitive to the issue, um, do not believe that writing checks to black folk is the answer. We'll take his temperature on that. Uh, when we come forward, you're listening to Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Continues when we come forward. 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 Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. He's got three minutes left uh, in conversation with State Senator Stephen Bradford here in California. He has um, succeeded once again at getting some... Uh, uh, major legislation passed through this state, uh, and again, I suspect the nation, uh, other states will follow. It's called an Ebony Alert, and it's designed to combat the crisis of missing black youth and young uh, black women. The governor has signed it into law, and so again, I expect other states will do the same as we've done here in California. That would be a good thing. The rest of the nation is also watching, uh, Senator Bradford, as you know, to see what we're going to do in reparations. And we've discussed it on this program. Others have discussed it as well. It made all kind of national news when this poll came out, this survey that found that most Californians oppose cash payouts um, for reparations. Um, how do you read that poll? I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, again, anything that's going to benefit African Americans, we always find a way, or this country always finds a way to say no to it. And the only reason I haven't focused on payment is because I just go back to the genesis the original reparations was about land. And that's how generational wealth is passed, through land. So that's what I want to focus on, making sure that there are individuals who have never owned property 
in this country and have been here for generations, making sure that they can become landowners as well. But at the same time, I know the state has a deficit right now, and that's going to be their fallback on why we can't make cash payments. But at the same time, I would argue, how do you put a figure on over 250 years of wage theft? You know, I don't care what number you threw out, it would never be enough. So that's why I don't kind of like get caught up in, you know, the millions of dollars that people talk about. Because even if you paid every African-American descendant of slavery $5 million, it would still not come close to compensating them for what was stolen from them and denied for them for hundreds of years. So that's why I want to focus on the things that we can deliver. And like I say, I'm not surprised by that poll at all. Yep. So this GI Bill strategy that you're trying to emulate, uh, a bill that has a variety of things in it, from education to housing to child care, uh, tax relief, et cetera, et cetera, do you think that ultimately there'll be a version that the governor will sign as he did uh, vis-a-vis your Ebony Alert? I would hope so. I mean, and that's what, again, the Black Caucus is going to work as a team collectively to shepherd this through and get a commitment from the administration uh, and as well as our colleagues. Because before we get to the governor's desk, we got to get, you know, the necessary votes in both the respective houses. And that in and of itself is going to be a challenge. So it's about educating our colleagues on why this is important before we can even talk about a governor's signature. So uh, it's a lot of work ahead of us. As I mentioned, uh, you've done some good work uh, as a California state senator. You are termed out now, and the streets are talking about the fact that you may be considering a run for lieutenant governor. You want to comment on that or not? Um, the streets are talking. It's a buzz. And, uh, and we're going to continue that conversation. <laughs> uh, that's why he's a successful politician. He knows how to get out of these things. Uh, Senator Bradford, <laughs> Senator Bradford, thank you for your time and thank you for your work. And congratulations to you and to all of us in California, and I think across the nation, uh, for showing us that this Ebony Alert can, uh, can, can, can manifest. And I hope other states will do likewise. But thank you for your work and witness. Good to have you on the program. And thank you for your voice in KBLA. We All couldn't right. do it. I appreciate you.